Not you, Lily. You got to stay in here. Well, good morning. I'm excited to be here today, excited to share with you. We've been uh, tracking through some of the letters in the New Testament and some things we can take away as the church, and, and so we're going to get into one of those today. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning, God, and uh, Lord, I, I just think about that verse, hey, I stand at the door and knock, Lord, and we always um, want you to know that you're invited, God. Uh, this is all about you. Lord, and I, and I pray as we grow and mature that, that that transition happens in our life, God. It's so easy to just fall, fall to our default, which is selfishness, which is, uh, you know, I want it my way, God, and, and we have that tendency, every single one of us, Lord. But as we grow, as we clothe ourselves with Christ, God, as we, as we mature, Lord, in Christ, I pray that we begin to, to see your kingdom as your kingdom, God. And that's what it's about. I'm called to, to be a vessel, a living sacrifice, uh, to die, to surrender, God. And I pray that each and every one of us do that, God. I pray that each and every one of us uh, does our part. Lord, we talk about that a lot. Lord, that I, I do the role that I am supposed to do, the role that you lay out in Scripture, God. Let us learn from the letters uh, to the different churches and uh, the takeaways, God. And, and I pray, Lord, that we... Uh, take steps, God, that we draw close to you, and you promise to draw close to us. I pray that we reflect Jesus in who we are, the things we say and the things we do. Lord, and I pray for this community, and I pray for, for the church here, that we make an impact on it, God. So help us be the real thing, Lord. Help us to, to live a life of surrender, because of all that Jesus did for us, because you first loved us. We ask all this in his name. Amen. So, uh, like I said, we're, we're digging through the, the New Testament right now, and, and uh, uh, it has this flow to it. You know, Jesus came, and, and we have the, the Gospels, and we hear all about him, and then it spills over into Acts, and we have the birth of the church, and, and so the church gets going, and there's people in it, Right? So guess what happens? It derails, right? And they, they struggle in different churches in different areas, struggle with different things for different reasons. And so there, there's, a, there's a nice uh, example to pull from. We, we got several different churches that we get to learn about and read about, uh, for, again, for different reasons. And, and so uh, we, we know uh, in Acts, this great persecution happens, right? And, and uh, the, ch the church that had begun got scattered. And so you got, again, you got all these different little bodies of believers that are that are uh, together, and they, they raise up these churches, and, and so uh, the, the word begins to, to spread. And so there's external struggles going on outside world, and then, just like every church, there's internal struggles going on. And so we have Paul writing these letters uh, to address some of these uh, internal struggles. I said this to Shay this week just because I knew I was going to say it in the sermon. I'm like, we need to talk. And I laughed. Have you ever had that said to you, you know, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, what did I do, you know, or, you know, what's, what's coming next? And that's, that's kind of where we're at. We're talking about the church in Corinth today, and, and Paul, I, that's kind of what he does. Hey, guys, 
we need to talk about some things. Um, I don't know if you are reading along with us, but I, I do want to encourage you, uh, if, if you're not reading along with us, take some time this week and, and just chew through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And today's message will, I think, hit a, a, a little better for you. But there's so much to take away from, that, from those two letters. And, and they're not difficult reads, but there's some crazy stuff in there, all right? They were really struggling with some things. And, and Paul goes through this with them. And in his first letter, you know, it's kind of the, hey, we need to talk. And then in the second letter, he gets into a little bit more encouragement. Um, but they're really good to chew through. Um, and so I just wanted to encourage you to do that. So the church was very, very messed up, and it was struggling. And so, uh, Paul, you know, Paul's church planting strategy, it's pretty interesting. We, we have that going on today in, in our world. People are like, hey, I'm going to go plant a church. You know, we help plant a church in Noonan. And so there's these strategies and that these places have. And, and, and like I know the uh, Stadia was the group behind the church planting that we helped with in Noonan. And they have all these requirements, you know. Like, you got to check all these boxes, and there's a lot of boxes. If you come on staff, a lot of boxes to check. And then if all of that works out, then we're going to plant a church, you know. Uh, Paul's strategy was go into some crazy place, find, find the Jewish synagogue, go in there, tell them the truth. And after he told them the truth, he left there, and he'd, hey, where'd the Gentiles hang out? And he'd go, all right, the Gentiles are here. I'm going to preach the word. And, and uh, all right, you guys got the gospel. <laughs> See ya. And it worked. You know, he had a little bit of a crazy strategy. Now, he stayed some, too, and he wrote letters and, and those kinds of things. But, man, uh, it was just a full-on, you know, go in here and, and do this, appoint some elders, and see ya. Very different than our church planting strategy today. And even, like, sometimes I know with, with church plants, it's like, hey, we're after a certain demographic, and we're, we're going to be in this lane right here, and these are the people group we're going to try to reach. And again, that's not what we see from him. It was, hey, everybody, come on. You know, We just have this big mixture of people, and, and whoever comes to the table, man, we're going to work it out. We're going we're gonna to deal with it. And I really love that mentality because in Christ, right, we're one. We're supposed to be unified in Jesus Christ, no matter age, economic status, background, ethnicity, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? We talk about that. There's only two people groups with Jesus. There's the saved and the unsaved. There's the kingdom and the world. That's it. And that was Paul's strategy. He, he kind of just opened the door up. And so uh, a lot of these churches were very religious, multi-ethnic groups that were coming together. And uh, just the sheer fact that they didn't kill each other, you know, <laughs> honestly, was a testimony to who Jesus was and, and the gospel. I mean, that's for real. Uh, it's just a, a crazy time. And so uh, the city of Corinth in itself was just a big, whew, it was sin city, man. It was our Vegas. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. I mean, it was really that kind of place. Anything goes, do what you want to do. There was a lot of sexual immorality. You know, there was a lot of things going on in, in this city uh, and it was this multi-ethnic port and very diverse, and uh, immorality just, you know, was everywhere. And so this is where this church gets, gets planted. <laughs> Great spot. They needed Jesus, right? Uh, so he plants his church uh, in Acts 18, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here uh, in verse 9. It says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many 
in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months. I mean, God sent him in. He gave him this vision, and he, and he encouraged him like, hey, I, I got folks here. In the middle of this big old mess, I got folks here. And so uh, a couple of years goes by, and, and, and again, if you can just imagine, uh, you know, we look at spiritual maturity and, and a lot of times just how long it takes for that to develop. And so here's this new church in this really sinful place. And so you got a lot of people coming out of a lot of sinfulness and immorality and, and they're baby Christians. I mean, that's really what they are. And they're trying to do church the right way. And, and you can just imagine uh, the mess and the, the mixed up views and the arguments and, 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 all these, and all these people. And they didn't have a lot of history uh, with Jesus in their background, right? Um, and so lots of confusion. And so there was all kinds of struggles with sexual immorality. Uh, in fact, to the point that if you were called a Corinthian, it was almost an insult uh, because of what was going on in the context of this city. They struggled with disunity and division. They struggled with communion. They'd have communion and some people would show up early and, and eat everything and drink wine and get drunk even. And, <laughs> and then the other... Members of the church would show up and like, hey, what, you know, where, where is it? And oh, we, we got it. Just crazy stuff. They'd get offended. They'd just sue over offended. Like, oh, you offended me. I'm going to sue you. And uh, just all kinds of arguments over spiritual gifts. And which one's the most important? They were fighting over freedoms that they could have or not have. You know, with, uh, specifically, it talks about uh, meat sacrificed to idols, right? Uh, I don't know if you've Tried to go a prime rib lately. It's pretty expensive, right? And uh, like, here's this sacrificed meat that's super cheap and steak smells good and tastes good. Let's eat it, you know? And like, so there was conflict over what you could eat and what you couldn't eat. Some were doubting the resurrection of Jesus. Sing the right songs. Just kidding. That's, that's our culture, right? At the end of it, though, if you look at it, it was the perfect church to leave. Just to walk away, man. This this thing ain't getting turned around. This thing's a mess, man. They don't have it. They don't have it together. Um, so Paul writes this about after hearing some of this stuff. And we actually don't have the first letter that Paul wrote. So First Corinthians is the second letter uh, that he wrote to them, and uh, and and you know pretty intense stuff that he says. And so Paul normally gives this long discourse at the beginning of his letters, and not with this. Then. Uh, to basically saying, what in the world are y'all doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know? And, uh, and so, church of immature, selfish people. And if you ever look at a person or a group of people and think they're beyond hope, this message is for you. Okay? People aren't beyond hope when Jesus gets involved. Okay? And, and there was some real baggage that these people were having to overcome and deal with and work through. And so Paul is, is addressing these things, and he's wanting to give them biblical awareness and gospel clarity, where faith intersects the culture of that day, right? And, and, and you're having to wrestle that out. And, and so when that happens, there's conflict as we're just working through that stuff. And so one of the first issues he tackles is, uh, is division over celebrity preachers, you know? So you may be sitting out there today, and, and I don't know who you like to listen to, um, thanks for coming here, and I appreciate you, but I'm sure there's better speakers and preachers, and, and maybe you're like, oh, Jeff's not so-and-so, and, and I, I would follow so You're not going to believe what so-and-so said. He, 
man, this amazing teaching, and then, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, and I know we don't just say that because we're kind of following them or worshiping them in some way, but there was some real battles going on over, over the different teachers. In 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be united in the same mind and same judgment, for it has been reported to me by Chloe, little snitch, Chloe, oh, just telling on them, tattletale. Paul, t- t- me by Chloe's people, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so he goes on down in, in verse 30, and he says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So Paul states the problem about it on this biblical level, and then he always brings it down to a gospel level because he doesn't want them to forget. It is about Jesus. It is about Jesus, it is about Jesus, it is about Jesus. And his gospel, not yours, not Paul's, not Apollos, not Peter, not any of them. It's about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. If there's any boasting, it needs to be him and what he has done. You know, one of my favorite things is to brag about other Christians. We shouldn't have to go around and brag about ourselves. But if we're following Christ, man, people should have things I hope to say. And I, and I love when that's the case, when I get to tell stories about people in my church that, man, God, you're not going to believe what like this person did. And I love that because we're boasting in Jesus and because of Jesus. And this all comes from him. So if we're going to boast, we need to boast in Jesus Christ. And then Paul addresses some sexual sins uh, in, in chapter 6, 19, to 19 and 20. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So glorify God in your body. Again, these people are coming from a very, very, very moral group of people, and, and they've made a decision, and so there's this conflict going on between flesh and spirit, and right now the flesh is, is, is in there. And, and if, you, if you read, if you're going to read, there, there's some pretty crazy stuff that happens in the Corinthian church. And Paul's like, don't live like that anymore. <laughs> we don't have to live like that anymore. And they're kind of like, I love Jesus, but I'm still going to live the way I want. Does that sound familiar to anyone in here? None of us have ever struggled with that, right? No, we are called to glorify God, not with just what we say, but literally with our bodies. Paul addresses freedom and idolatry. And there's this whole, you know, sacrifice to idol things. And, and uh, some people thought, hey, it's okay. I mean, the meat's there. Why let it go to waste, right? It just took the logical road. <laughs> like, it's, it's there. Like, let's eat it. And some people are like, no, you know, that was sacrificed to some, like, no, don't touch that. It's, you know, it's evil. And so just this, this battle uh, that breaks down. And, and I want to pose a question to you today, and it's really kind of where we're going today. And it's this right here. I do believe Paul brings it to a level for us to stop asking 
what am I free to do? Right? That's, a, that's an easy train track to jump on. Because Jesus has freed me and I'm saved by grace, what am I free to do? You know? And people quote the Bible verses, everything's permissible, right? But everything's not beneficial. And there's a lot of freedom in following Christ. I Man, there's a whole bunch of that in Scripture. And instead, I think we need to start asking in the heart of maturity, in the heart of growing up into Christ, what am I willing to give up in order to help my brother and sister in Christ? That's a question that deserves some time. Because that's where it's at. And when we think about the example that we're supposed to follow, Jesus, he gave up everything. And we'd all amen that, and yay, we're thankful, right? Because it saved us. But then it's like we go around saying, I love Jesus, but we're unwilling to yield. And we're still all focused about my dream, my kingdom, my, my, my. We walk through the door, my, my. I'm not comfortable. They didn't sing the song. I don't know. Fill in the blank. When is it going to be about him? When are we going to walk into the body of believers and think, man, how can I love and serve today? Who, who needs me? Look around the room and who, who can I just go check on and just pray with them? And like, we are called to be others focused. It's what was really wrong with the, the church in Corinth. They, they were worried about themselves and what they could get away with and what was allowed. And, what, what. and Paul's like, don't ask what you're free to do. Ask what are you willing to give up to help your brother and sister in Christ? That's a huge shift in thinking for a believer, and it's called maturity. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 through 6, it says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. Remember, God shows up in cloud and fire. They all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, right? We've read all this. Food, God providing food down from heaven. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6, Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Our participation in baptism our participation in communion, our participation in spiritual things is not what saves us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And, and we're called to surrender to him with our life. And Paul is having to remind the Corinthian church of this. Verse 7, it says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did. And we're destroyed by the serpents. That was, a, that was a fun story. Nor grumble, as some of them did. And we're destroyed by the destroyer. And man, we run, what, you know, we run around, a lot of people run around, and Jesus loves me. And grace abounds, and, and I love that too. That's all I want. I mean, yes, woo! <laughs> we don't like the sanctification part, right? We just want the grace part. 
God, I know, I'm just human, and I just messed up, and I just, I need your love and grace, and, and that's what you're all about. And of course, there's love and grace. And Jesus understands my heart. You know, we say things like that. Man, there's some dire warnings all throughout Scripture. They don't stop when the New Testament begins. They don't stop. They continue. And Paul's telling the church this, and he's telling the church today. Verse 11 uh, of chapter 10 there, it says, Now these things happen to them as an example, right? Again, we're supposed to be able to read these things and learn them and learn. <laughs> learn what we're reading. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. So he, he, gets, to, uh, he, he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter kind of sums uh, everything up. And it says this in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Being saved, right? There's the sanctification part. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Mm. Those aren't fun verses to memorize. Man, Paul's saying some pretty tough things right here. Like, hey, it, like, here's the gospel. This gospel uh, is supposed to change you. And, and that's, what, that's what Jesus' de desire is for you, is that, that you begin uh, to, to put away the flesh or the evil desires, right? Uh, it's easy when we use the word evil desires to kind of check out on some things because we can think of some pretty evil things, right, that none of us participate in. And so we can kind of excuse ourselves. But the reality is the evil desire is the flesh. It's the self. It's the me, 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 me drive that's in every single one of us sitting here. And Jesus wants us to be transformed. We need to be Christ ambassadors. We need to clothe ourselves with Christ. We need to die to our flesh and surrender so that we're living for him. He goes on in verse 3 and says, For I delivered, you, delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So we're not, we're not creating new stuff here, or we're not having to be innovative or anything else, right? The Bible calls us to be imitators of Christ. Imitators. And that's what he's saying here. I didn't come up with this gospel. This is the gospel that was given to me, and I've given it to you. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. This gospel isn't a matter of religious opinion. Right? We all have opinions. We love our opinions. We love to tell people our opinions. It's about historical fact that Jesus died on a cross in accordance with Scripture in our place. And sin is so terrible, and sometimes we treat it so casually, but it's so terrible that God went to the lengths that he went to <laughs> to kill it once and for all. And it was a brutal massacre of his son on a cross. That's the lengths he went to because sin is so terrible. It's so terrible. And that's what we're dealing here. And it's, it's a really serious issue. And the cross was our payment for it. And then we got the empty tomb that was our receipt. And death couldn't contain him. And if you think on any level that you can save yourself or you can you know, pull up your spiritual bootstraps and, and... Nope. Nope. You can't. You can't. Only Jesus. And it's in Him and Him alone. 
And, it, and it's really, again, it's a shift. You know, I, I've, I've had times in, in my journey, and I'm not, like, I know we need, need to make some effort, but sometimes we put the effort in the wrong place. You know, and that's what we do. We like, we, I'm going to get tough on this sin, and I'm just going to stop doing it. And we try this brute force attack, right, into stopping whatever, I mean, whatever you're struggling with. And I'm telling you, it's really more about shifting what we're staring at and looking to and longing for. And when the object of our desire becomes Jesus, sin starts to go away. And it was by no merit of mine. None. I naturally begin to look at others because I'm in love with Jesus. And I want to know what in the world could I do for you today that would help lift you up, that would edify you, that would show you that you're loved and you're a part of this body. Is that how I walk through that door? I got to ask myself that question, and so do you. The gospel change is taking the Spirit of God, using the story of God to make the beauty of God come alive in our hearts. This just didn't come out of thin air. God didn't just like, hey, you know what sounds good, I think. I'll send Jesus to die. No, this was in place from the foundations. Before you were born, before you failed or had victory or whatever, this was in place. This was his plan. God said, you're mine, and I'm going to pay the ultimate price for you. So here's the Corinthian belief gospel, the good news, changing. And it's a very stern letter, very stern knows what's on the line and he knows what's at risk and so he's not messing around and it's a tough it's a tough read and it's not just for evangelism i need you to hear that this morning right we we love to talk about that and pray about that god has helped us spread the word god i need to share the gospel and that's true but these people are already saved they've already received the gospel We, we read that it's also for discipleship it's for that maturing process that's supposed to take place in all of us. We're supposed to help each other in that journey. That's what the gospel begins to do as we take a deep dive into it. As we don't just let it stay on the surface. We were bought with a price. Now glorify God with your body. Right? Spiritual maturity isn't just puffing out our chest with all the stuff that we know and can debate and quarrel about because I'm right and you're wrong. My view of this scripture is correct and yours is wrong. And somewhere in there we get super prideful and we end up bypassing the gospel in the name of being right. I always think about, I know I preached about this, but I always think about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is God. And could you, I mean, I just always like to think about him sitting in a room listening to people debating scripture. That's awesome. And him like, You know, like, I wrote this. (laughs) Let me tell you what it means, you know. But Jesus didn't even do that. He lived it. He lived it. It wasn't just about knowing all the right things. It was about doing the things. And the more we take this deep dive into the gospel, we're going to understand that. I just want to say just a couple of things. First, we have to embrace the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus. 
And we have to keep it right there. You know, Paul goes on to say, I I know Christ and Christ crucified. That's all I know. Paul said that. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament. This guy was super smart. I mean, he had all kinds of things he could brag about. And he comes to a point where he says, all I know is Christ, Christ crucified. We have to keep it right there. We don't get to make up rules. We don't get to to make it into something, changing the gospel and making it into something it's not. We have to stick right with Jesus and we have to have a passion for it. And I hope hope you love the gospel. I mean, it's what saved us, right? I mean, the good news of Jesus. We have to let the gospel transform us, right? We are to become Christ-like. We were never meant to stay stagnant. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever been in stagnant water? I, I know I've shared this example before because I'm going to share it again because it's really gross and it's a good one. But I've kayaked the Chattahoochee River, which is gross anyway, right? And diapers fly by and whatever. Yeah, I've done it a couple times. I'm still alive. Um, but there's these pools in, in the Chattahoochee River where water is kind of turned up and, ooh. Like, I try to paddle to the other side. I mean, like, really, I remember, like, coming by a few of them. It's so gross. And we were never meant to be like that. Right? The Bible says we're to have rivers of living water flowing out of us, which means something should be flowing into us. Or if you like the vine analogy, right, we're supposed to abide in the vine, stay connected to the vine. So something should be happening. The gospel should be transforming, and the gospel has multiplication to it. A desire for others to know it, but not only know it, but to mature in it. Right? Again, that's all throughout the New Testament. Both things are present. People like to talk about conversion without discipleship, and I do not see that in a separated way anywhere in the Bible. They go hand in hand. When someone's converted, they follow. That's what they do. That's what we read. And again, I know it's a maturing process and we start here and we grow. There should be movement. There should be moving going on. The gospel is not permission to keep on sinning. Right? Paul talks about that too. It's not an excuse. Grace abounds. You know, it's not that. But it gives us power for holiness to be set apart, to be different. It saves us and then it changes us. I went to uh, China one time and uh, tried to get SARS and I didn't get SARS and I flew home, but my church was worried that I got SARS. They wouldn't let me come back uh, to be at church um, in case I infected someone and they died, uh, which really happened in Canada. Someone really, that really happened when I was in China. Someone had just come, I was about to leave and someone had just come home and their minister died from SARS. It's like true story. Um, and SARS outbreak was going on in China, and I went anyway. And uh, Shay and I had just, literally just started dating. And so when I landed, and by landed, I don't know if you've ever been to China, but by landed, I mean, I got up one day, I was on a nine-hour train ride. I got in a plane in Beijing. I flew to Tokyo, Japan. That's not a short flight. And then uh, in the Tokyo airport, the plane next to us got actually grounded in Los Angeles for SARS. Like they had to go into quarantine on a military base. That's a true story. My plane flew on to Minneapolis. We got through. Yay. And then uh, that also is a long flight, like 14 hours. Um, and, uh, and then I flew from Minneapolis to 
uh, Atlanta. I don't even know. It was ridiculous. Like 40 hours of travel straight. I don't sleep on planes and trains and nothing else. And uh, so I'd been awake for that long. And do you know what I did when I got home? What I do? I drove two hours to Carrollton, Georgia. Like an idiot. I could have killed like 20 people falling asleep. I was so exhausted. But you know what? I loved Shay. And I was a fool for her. And I did a foolish thing. And she's like, I don't care if you got sores. And she did a foolish thing, right? And then one time, right after that, or maybe it was, no, it was after that, Shay drove to Carrollton to see me. I mean, not Carrollton. She lives in Carrollton. I lived in Commerce. She drove to Commerce, and I get a call. I'm like, you okay? Yes, I'm pulled over. There's this huge bug in my car. Kill it. I can't kill it. It's too big. And guess what I did? I did not do what I would do today. <laughs> like, suck it up. Come on home. Uh, I drove into Commerce to kill a bug in her car. Like, 15 minutes. It was an armadillo. It was a big bug, for the record. Why did I do those crazy things? Because I loved her. What's our life look like for Jesus? What are we doing that's crazy and radical and that doesn't fit in with the rest of the world? That doesn't make sense to the rest of the world because we love Jesus Christ. Because he's our Savior and he's our Lord. And we didn't just get a ticket punch to heaven. Man, we are being transformed in his likeness. We've taken the, the, the banner to be his ambassador serious. And we've allow, uh, allowed the gospel the good news of Jesus to, to begin to do a work in us. And we have a passion to see other people know it. And to see our brothers and sisters raised up into maturity so that we are making an impact for the kingdom of God. That's what Paul is telling the church in Corinthians. Hey, stop amongst yourselves. you got to put away this selfish, sinful junk because you've received the truth. And the truth should set you free. Not a freedom to self-indulge, but a freedom to sacrifice. That's what it means. So that some might be saved. So that someone is rescued out of the pit of hell. That my life makes a difference because of him. We got to pursue the glory of God for the good of others, no matter what it costs. That's what we got to do, because that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. And we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. And he bore it all to bring God glory. I love you, church. I hope you can begin to, uh, to pray, to seek God on those truths about being here with your brothers and sisters and figuring out how to love each other in a radical way, how to serve each other. I, we're, man, I, you know what? I was bragging about this church. We're so good about, if, if I want to give it a phrase, giving the shirt off our back. And I would pat everybody on the back in here. Man, there's nobody in this church that I know of that would not bend over backwards to help one another out. I've seen it, and I love it, and that is a great thing, okay? But when we grow and we take those next levels and we start to really get to know each other, man, we begin to see areas just to do. Not ask, just to do. We begin to see people the way we need to see them. 
And we begin to act on our faith, and it goes beyond just a good deed sometimes, right? People need us. We need each other in our actual lives. We don't need to disappear from each other six days a week and then come back together and smile and hug. Again, that's all good. But we need to be in each other's lives, loving each other, crying together, laughing together, as Phil was talking about that, all the, all the emotions of life and knowing each other and praying for each other and bearing each other's burdens so that in some crazy way someone's going to see our relationship and be like, I don't have that. What is that? You know the answer. It's Jesus. And I promise you, when we begin to, to look through that lens and begin to grow into those areas, and God is going to use that. Because that's what Jesus said to do. Love each other. And by how you love each other, the world will know that you are mine. That's what he said. And we've got to have a heart to share the gospel. we just got to. We've got to be praying and looking for opportunities, man, when God brings someone into our life. We've got to be bold. God will prompt you, I'm telling you. He'll prompt you when you're walking with him. You'll know. Look for places to pray for one another. Be active. Be a river where the water is actually flowing and not a stagnant swamp over here that's just... Ugh. Be the river. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, Lord. Uh, God, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And I, oh, Lord, I just pray if you're moving in anybody's heart, God, in life, and, and they need ministered to, Lord, I pray that they, they have the boldness to, to find someone or to come forward or whatever, God. If there's someone in this room that doesn't know Jesus, oh, my goodness, Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to, to stand up, God, and to surrender to him, because that's where true life begins, is in Jesus Christ. There's not a perfect person in here, God. And we all need him, and we all need rescued, God. We're not supposed to regard each other in the flesh, because we're all in the same boat. We're sinners. Every single person in here is a sinner. Thank you, Jesus, for, for saving us. Thank you for reconciling us to the Father. And Lord, I pray if someone doesn't know no, Jesus, God, I, I pray that they, they want to. God, I pray for a heart that they want to know the truth, Lord, and they're going to seek you out, and you promise that they'll find you. Lord, use us in those, those situations in people's lives and people's stories. God, we know the truth, and I pray that we'll stand up and be bold in it, in love, God, not in some puffed-out, arrogant, prideful way, but in love. Help us to walk this out like Jesus did, like the example that he is. Help us to be imitators of Christ. Lord, just have your way this morning. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.